0: Encouraged, not burdened by the history that they create. They know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United! Welcome in listeners to another episode of the Perky Fledglings. I'm here with Polly Questel on a Friday after... Uh, Manchester United drew in their first late quarterfinal tie with Sevilla. Uh, 2-2 was the final score. Uh, United led 2-0 for most of the game, had plenty of chances to kill it off, um, and in the end, it gave away two own goals. Um, Polly's cringing at the plenty of chances to kill it off bit. Um, But uh, I, I guess the thing that we really need to talk about first from this match is the now crisis level uh, of the, the personnel situation because uh, not only do they concede two goals late in between those goals, Lysandro Martinez has to be helped off the pitch and then carried by a stretcher off uh, at halftime. Rafael Varan suffered an injury and was re- uh, replaced by Harry Maguire. And then of course, Bruno Fernandez uh, picked up a yellow card for the, uh, blocking a shot that was uh, ruled a handball, an intentional handball at that and a bookable offense. So he is going to miss the second leg of uh, what is now a tie that is back in the balance. So Polly, thoughts. Colin, Yeah. Thoughts.
1: (laughs) There's, there's a lot to take in here. Uh, Basically there's, There's getting footballed and then there's what happened last night. Yeah. Getting footballed is probably the semi-final that United lost to Sevilla in 2020 where they dominated the match, couldn't finish, goalkeeper made a bunch of really good saves, mistake at the back post by your 19-year-old and you lose 2-1. This was as fluky as as it comes and there's been a lot of finger pointing and really i i think there's a little bit like a lot of finger pointing and a lot of this where it went wrong because people need someone to blame or something and there's really i think there's a little bit of finger pointing that can happen but i think it's all being in the handed in the wrong places um I don't think Eric Ten Hag got it exactly right in this match, but it's not the things that everybody is saying he did. Like, I'm a sadist. I went back and reviewed this match and everything and came away with a different takeaway than after watching it the first time. But it is a scenario where, even though Eric Ten Hag didn't get it completely right, like, none of the things that he did cost United this match. There were some individual errors, and ultimately, a crap ton of bad luck. Um, You know,
0: I mean, that's basically the, what <laughs> the two the two goals were. It was, you know, uh, Malasia switching off for a second, letting a guy get in behind. And then the bad luck of, you know, his cutback pass shimmies off his leg and goes past De Gea. Um And it hits off the Gea. It yeah,
1: hit De Gea right, and, and right. went in. So, you know, on a different day that hits off of his leg and hits the Hayes squarely in the thigh and bounces right in front of him. And he's just able to grab it um, on a different day. It hits off of him and it goes wide. It just a lot of bad luck, but also I thought a lot of it was preventable. Like these are the, I think around now. So when you look at it, you know, if you look at, if you talk to Arsenal fans right now as they're neck and neck in a title race, with Manchester city and they'll just lament how every decision seems to be going city's way. Or if you talk to United fans who don't want Arsenal to win the title for whatever reason, they'll be like every decision is going Arsenal's way. Like the, when they scored like in the seventh minute of stoppage time uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I just wrote about why English teams struggle in Europe and, and the Spanish teams thrive in Europe and, and, I had been tweeting a thread about it earlier this week, and someone replied being like, well, don't forget about the favoritism. Like, the referees are always favoring the Spanish teams. And really, it comes down to good teams make their own luck. Is they put themselves in situations where they can get lucky breaks more often Where if a lucky break's going to come, more often than not, it's going to go in their benefit, in their direction. And each unlucky break that United got yesterday... I thought was entirely preventable before we got to that to that point.
0: Like, right. Because Sevilla and, are not a good team. <laughs> no. They, Sevilla do, they did fact, not create and, their own luck.
1: <laughs> no, and and that's part of where we are. Like, so i I I get accused of being overly negative a lot. And it it you know, and you've heard me on this podcast after big wins, I'm like, yeah, you know, well. And I'm and I'm here, like, I'm not trying to be negative. I find it funny that I get accused of being overly negative. And then when a game like last night happens and everybody is immediately into doom and gloom, and our season is over and and everything is off the rails. And I'm sitting there being like, yeah, this is bad, but I think we're fine. Uh yeah, somehow I'm the only positive one coming out of this game. And it's it's because I look at it, you know, never look at one result in a vacuum. Always look at the previous results and the form and the trends. Never get too high. Never get therefore and never get too low. Um, You enjoy the win, but because you're looking at the bigger picture, you're you know one win does not mean that suddenly United are back and they're gonna storm up the table and take Europe with a vengeance, as people were reacting to because they won a tie against Barcelona and won the League Cup, and everybody's like, oh, we're gonna shoot up the table now. One loss does not mean everything is now in the shitter. The issue with this match now is where you go with your players. Um, But United just absurdly bad luck happened here for a Sevilla team that were probably worse than Everton uh, last week. And now you have a second you have to go to Spain, but This is why upsets are so difficult in over two legs because you have one game in Spain. It's a United team. Yeah, they'll be missing some players against a really bad Sevilla team. In a one-off now, basically, who would your money be on? I'd put my money on United. Like, if if we gave you the same odds, who are you betting on? You you bet on Manchester United without thinking twice. The the reason that Sevilla's odds are going to be better is because bookies want... Even action on both sides, um, so I, I think they're ultimately going to be okay. Uh, Sandra Martinez's injury is bad, and that's going to hurt them long term. But defensively, I, I I do think they're they're going to be okay from this.
0: Yeah, I I think we can run it back with. McGuire and Lindelof and be okay. We we still have Casemiro and um, I think McTominay will probably be back by then, but we'll still have Fred or Sabitzer would be the choices ahead of them. We won't have Bruno Fernandez, So maybe that's where one of the midfield switch-ups comes in. Either both Sabitzer and Fred or Sabitzer and McTominay or Fred and McTominay, some combination of that. I don't know. We're not going to get the same level of, you know, chance creation and ball progression as we would with Bruno Fernandez on the pitch. But, um, you know, I, I thought the front three played. Okay. I mean, Jane Sancho had more moments where you're screaming pass or do it now at him while he's still making a decision. But otherwise I thought he and Anthony both had pretty good games. I thought Anthony Marcial showed everything that, you know, fans maybe forgot he could do in that first half. Um, which you know, by the end of the match, it felt a really long way away from the first half. But um, yeah, we'll
1: we'll get blade. to the front three in a hot second. I I, yeah. I agree with you. I think they're going to be fine with, I think Bruno's a bigger miss for this match than Martinez is. You know, Martinez adds so much to this team, but this team has, I think they've kept, they've kept queen sheets this season with, I think six different combinations of center backs they Maguire and Lindelof were the backbone of two very good defensive teams before last season when they fell off because problems that were not caused by Maguire and Lindelof. The, and by that token also, Rafael Veron and Lissandro Martinez have both been the starters in two games that have gone completely off the rails. So not to say that this is Veron, that that's Veron and Martinez's fault. Exactly the opposite of when the, when everything else breaks down, it doesn't really matter who your center backs are. You're, you're not going to find success. And when everything is, when everything is in place and the structure is there, you can do a lot worse than Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof. And, don't forget, Lissandro Martinez was dropped, not rested, not injured, straight up dropped for a derby against Manchester City earlier this year that United won. So would I be more comfortable if Maguire played on the left and Lindelof played on the right? Yes, I don't think Ten Hag is going to do that. I do think that with Maguire and Lindelof, you will get a little bit more control of the of the ball. Um, a little bit more possession, not a whole lot, half a percent, 1% more where you, and that'll help you defensively. It'll help take the pressure away where you lose what you lose with Martinez. As you said, that ball progression. So taking that control and that possession that they have at the back and turning it into quick and direct attacks that help you thrive that, will be more difficult. But again, in a, in one, in a one game against Sevilla, I would still back United.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned before that they might be worse than Everton. And I don't think it's, it's definitely not for like lack of effort because. Sevilla were really trying in this game. I mean, they're at the bottom
1: of La Liga. They're at the bottom of La Liga. And La Liga is bad. (laughs) La Liga is a bad league. and, and, Look, this is this was the whole purpose of what I just wrote about it was was put out this morning of why do Eng- you look at look at the Champions League and now the Europa League too look at the late rounds the semi-finals dominated by English teams. English teams are there every year uh like and strike 2020 from the record when it was played as a single elimination knockout tournament where the proof is in the pudding that Bayern and PSG were able to make the final because that doesn't happen because they're in one team leagues. That's not conducive to being good in Europe. English teams thrive. Spanish teams actually win, and the and the reason being is because the English teams just the the league is too good. They wear each other down, and the only uh, you know, in the since. In the last decade, the only English team to actually win a final against a foreign team was United in the Europa League final in 2017. All the other English wins have come in all English finals, which we've had three of them between the Europa League (laughs) and the Champions League in the last like four years. Right. So it's because the English teams like wear each other down and, and, and get on each other as opposed to La Liga, which has so many crap teams that you're able to rest your players and um give them that time off to make sure that they're physically fit. And now you're going to be like, well, what about Germany? And what about France? The difference being the mental aspect of things. Whereas when Bayern win the league in April and they are able to shut it down domestically, you're shutting off that on off switch. And it's very hard to turn that back on for the champions league. Whereas opposed to, in Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona, had, always had each other and Atletico Madrid at times to push them to the very end. The, the title race went down to the final day every day. So when you're playing Getafe and you can be like, well, we don't need Ronaldo today, we or we don't need, you know, we, we could rest Iniesta or we could rest any of our top guys at the same time, but we still need to win. So Ronaldo's on the bench being like, I might have to come on. It with 25 minutes to go and make an impact in this game, or as opposed to at Bayern Munich, Lewandowski was like sitting on the bench and he's like, I might come on for the last 25 minutes, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and that keeps them short mentally and fresh physically. So, but the bottom line is La Liga are terrible. Raphael Veron it was like three weeks ago. He just said, we, we just played the 20th place team in the Premier League and we just played the fifth place team in La Liga. And it's, it's tough to say which was the, the more difficult match. So like, I would back United next week. The world's not ending. It it this is it feels it's a draw that feels like a loss but remember we just went to the new camp, had a win wrapped up and then and we're in complete control of the match, gave up a late equalizer and that was a win that felt and that was a draw that felt like a loss too and everybody was ready to throw in the towel. Like, oh well we're not going to beat Barcelona at home and turns look at that. You you moved on. So you're more worried about Long term player crisis, etc. And and this goes to show you why it's not so easy to just let Maguire and Lindelof leave this summer because both are going to want to play and both are going to want to. Maguire's been doing all the PR in the world to try to get himself a move away. Uh, he's, he's if you're like Maguire has done has hand trying to leave he has done everything right um he's talked himself up when when asked he has highlighted the good stats of the team when he's played he has otherwise kept his mouth shut he has worked hard in training he has not complained about anything he has been a good teammate and he's going and when he's called upon he's played well like you can't ask for anything more but if you're Manchester United like you have to be prepared for you have to plan for three people to be injured at a time. This happens so much more often than you think. How many times did Michael Carrick have to play at center back? Like how many times in the late 30 years, did we hear defensive crisis? I'm like nine senior defenders are injured. It happens. It's why it's mind boggling that United were like, yeah, Christian Erickson, Casemiro, midfield set. And it's like, how are you not planning for injuries? Uh, That's where it's a little scary going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean just looking at the schedule, I think it's um it's possible to like limp to the end of the season and still finish fourth. Uh just given some of the teams that they still have to play. Obviously, they still have to play uh Brighton in the Premier League, Chelsea in the Premier League, Tottenham in the Premier League. Those could be tricky. Aston Villa also uh tricky, but there's Yes.
1: I don't think any of the home games are tricky because Aston Villa established... at home
0: as well. West Ham at home. uh then you have Bournemouth and Wolves. I think Wolves is at home as well. Um yeah. Fulham at we've home.
1: established that we don't lose home games. We've established that any away game is difficult. So Nottingham Forest this weekend. That could be that could be tricky. Yeah. In terms of right now, right in the aftermath, Nottingham Forest probably the best away game that we can play. We've already been to that ground this year, which is which is good.
0: And they're um, in awful form.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like, and this is, this is basically the, the point is of all these injuries, Martinez injury, et cetera. And if Mark, the, the fear with Martinez is that it's the Achilles and he, that would keep him out till maybe Christmas. And that knocks off half of next season too. We've heard a report this morning that said it's not, that it's the fifth metatarsal and the timeline there is two, three months. Um, So if you're buying tickets to a US tour in July maybe he's not fit for that but he'll be back for next season in terms of this season i don't think in i think i don't think it changes anything because i think maybe your ceiling just got lower from finishing 3rd to finishing 4th and what's the difference there about 2 million pounds chump change for manchester united um doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And I don't think you're even more likely to finish outside the top four because, again, the teams chasing them are garbage. Like, Tottenham are very unserious. I don't see Tottenham rallying and sustaining this fight. And everybody else, at Brighton, everybody wants to talk about how good Brighton are, and they are. They're very good. They're fun to watch. They don't win. And there's a huge point gap between United and Brighton and Brentford and Liverpool, that's going almost impossible to make up, that United are very, very secure in where they are.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be Aston Villa and Tottenham down the stretch that are, you know, just in terms of proximity are going to be right there. Obviously, we're still level with Newcastle, but they've got a massive goal difference advantage that we're probably not going to make up at this rate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tottenham. I think you can expect to take points. Let alone the opportunity that we have to take points off of them.
1: Um, right. That's and that's been the, that was the biggest game before Martinez got hurt was away to Tottenham because United against all their Champions League opponents this season away from home have been dreadful. They've gotten destroyed by Liverpool. They got destroyed by Manchester City. They didn't concede the goals, but they got destroyed by Newcastle. Uh, the only they they got. Uh, they managed to keep it close, but pretty much got destroyed by Arsenal. The only team that they had success against was this disaster that is Chelsea.
0: Right. And even that was a one-one draw where you know they weren't they able almost, to right, convert right. Well, their they, chances.
1: That one should have been a nil-nil draw. <laughs> they almost threw it away and then they, they recovered to get the result that they should have gotten.
0: Yeah.
1: My my bigger worry is. Is going forward, how things get handled, and and perf- performance wise, and, and and the little mistakes that you keep seeing in the team, and and this has been a recurring thought. So let's talk about the front three, because the front three played well yesterday. Really fun. They were really fun to watch. They scored two goals in about six minutes. And they scored right off. They scored 30 seconds in the match, but it was offside and that kind of set the tone. And then 10 minutes and 13 minutes later, they scored. So you're like, oh, this is good. Six minutes later, they scored again. You're like, oh, we are rolling. We are having a lot of fun here. It was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, they did not play that well. Colin.
0: Well, look at who they were playing against Polly. Yeah. A team full of much better. Oh yeah. That guy. Um, Fernando, who played for Manchester City about a decade ago, uh, was anchoring this midfield that also included uh, Ivan Rakitic, who was good about a decade ago. Uh, Lucas Acampos, who has always been teetering between okay and good. Um, and Eric Lamella, who once again avoided being sent off somehow. Um, I, think- I think
1: it's because he didn't actually stamp him the second time.
0: Yeah, uh, it looked more accidental than I guess I was hoping it was. Um, yeah, the like, VAR review. I,
1: I saw it. I saw it without volume. So when I came back and watched it, I was like, wait, this is what everybody's saying is like, how did he not get red?" I was like, I kind of like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I see why he didn't get red. Uh He, he sta- he like his foot came down in the shin. He lifted it up and then it was about to come down a second time and he didn't do it. He held it in the air and waited for customer's leg to move out of the way. And then he put it down. Here's the thing, like, here's the thing. United, for all the dominance that they had, there was a a lot of nothing in this match. The first 10 minutes, nothing. The next 10 minutes, fun. The next 10 minutes, nothing. And then from like the 30th minute to the 36th minute, there was another spurt where they got some chances, mostly on corner kicks and whatever they took for all that dominance that they had, they took nine shots in the first half and they all came in those two spurts of in between like the 13th and 20th minutes and the 30th and 36 minutes. Marcel Sabitzer, fantastic game. As everybody's going to say, he scored two goals. Didn't do anything else. And he was playing as the number 10. He did not create a single shot. That's not good. And
0: um, His job was pretty much to make like striker runs or second striker runs, right?
1: When Martial's dropping and getting on the ball, Martial 19 touches. So I, I I do think Sabitzer was playing more of like the Von de Beek role, role which just shows says a lot about Donny Van de Beek. But I also think that works in the Europa League and it works here, but you could see why it doesn't why maybe that role isn't going to work in the Premier League. And and he was playing it with all the right, with not all, because Luke Shaw wasn't there, but everybody else was the right person to do it. Like, I think part of the reason that Donny Beek has never looked good for United is because he needs to be playing with Sancho and Martial and uh, Shaw and Bruno. And he never gets the chance to play with all of them. And you had Bruno and Martial Sancho in there, but is that going? You, you need more from San. If if you're like Sabitzer's is going to be making these these runs and stuff, you need Anthony to be a better creator. Then he doesn't create much. He's he's just a, I'm looking for my own shots. And you need Sancho and Marcial to create more for those runs for Sabitzer. Like you're you're not getting a lot. That is the question. Is is this the best use and and the the best Manchester United could be, and I don't think it is. When you play in, Sabitzer in the role, I think the like the the big takeaway that I had was when Marcel Sabitzer is good, Marcel Sabitzer is good, and that's what I say about Scott McTominay. When McTominay is good, Scott McTominay is really good. Um, the problem is Scott McTominay it's- plays central midfield and Marcel Sabitzer also plays central midfield, or in this case, the number 10, when you need players in that position, in those positions where them being good means they make their teammates better and the team is good, as opposed to they just, like, when they're good, they're good, but the rest of the team is still doing whatever the rest of the team is doing. Which is why I think McTominay's ceiling, if McTominay got, like, improved... His ceiling is Marcel Sabitzer. And that's the thing. So Sabitzer was good, but not really elevating the rest of the team. Like People say the big takeaway was we didn't kill them off and we didn't finish our chances. We missed one other. Anthony hit the bar once. That was the only other good chance that we had all game.
0: But there was that period where uh, I think it was after they. Uh, the subs. had
1: Malassi had the chance, um, right?
0: But it was like there were just periods where they just wouldn't look for somebody who could shoot, or they would try to shoot themselves, and there just wasn't an opportunity there. And the it would subs be the
1: subs came on,
0: and it was like there just wasn't a willingness to set up somebody who was, you know, in a much better position. Like I thought, yeah, when Val Vekhorst was like walking away from goal, yeah, when not he didn't to give to Olango. Yeah, or like uh, the other one when he set up the Molossi chance, but Molossi waited to shoot and waited until like it three the people were in front. Same, from same him. sequence. <laughs> like I was like Vekours, just backheel it. Like just right. <laughs> just just Alessio Russo. This you've only got the goalkeeper to beat. Like but, uh,
1: I mean, that's the like yeah. The subs came on. The subs are a different sauce, and that was very apparent right away. And there was something that summed it up. Like I think it was in the 70th minute. Casemiro made this like great pass to Sabitzer who like flicked it on to Weghorst and they were running at the top of the box. And it looked very similar to other situations that we had in the game with Martial and Bruno and Sabitzer um, and Sancho. And they had the defense a bit on their heels, but not totally. And you could just tell that none of these guys um, were like willing to make that to challenge them. Or to make that, or to try to thread the needle through the pass, so it kind of just went the runs. The movement is good and everything, but we're just keeping the ball at the top of the box and everything is a little off. And it was like, yeah, that's the that's the quality of these players. I'm like, and that's expected. It was a downgrade in every position. Like, Iwanga is not Jaden Sancho. Weghorst isn't Marcial. Christian Eriksen's a very good player. He's not Bruno Fernandez. And and Malacia is. Not, he's not fantastic in that regard either. But when everybody says we should have killed the game off before those subs even happened, we we had created three legitimate chances. We scored on two of them. That's I, not a lot.
0: I don't I I don't know if like people are like using this as a way to be like Eric Tenag made the subs too soon. I have seen some people say that. I don't I don't think that there was much indication that Eric Tenag was going to keep getting those chances created by leaving all the players on. I don't.
1: Oh, they weren't. Yeah. But but so like, that's, that's my point is. We weren't creating a lot. Like we created so much more against Everton. Part of that was the suicidally high line. But even when we weren't in those transition, like we created a lot, we created one big chance in this match. You can't expect to, to if you have one big chance, you can't expect to all of a sudden to, and two other legitimate chance you can't expect to go three for three every game the Sevilla team were bad we should have been creating four five six seven chances so that you could go three for seven and get that third goal to kill them off we weren't doing that and we weren't doing that in the first half either so like that's why I said like they weren't they were fun there was there were times in that first half where it was fun but they were not as good as they should have been and that's my fear because we we know that like when Ten Hag goes to a tactic and it it works he rolls it back. He he keeps running it back, and you scored two goals in the first twenty minutes. It looks like it's working, but ultimately, it was like we should be creating a lot more, and we weren't. And then this in the second half, Martial was Martial's the fifteen minutes Martial played in the second half were for no other reason other than fitness building. Like there was a moment in like the fifty fifth minute where it was very clear he had run his race. He was done, and it, and like I was about to tweet. Like, all right, he's not doing anything anymore. Get him off the field, put him in bubble wrap so he's good for Sunday. And when Tenag made those changes, in the 60th minute, when he made those changes, um, I saw it and I said, oh, good, this makes sense. And it was like, Weghorst for Martial. Yeah, because we got to get him off. And um, let's come on. Elonga was like, oh, yeah, let's give Elonga a run. Because why not? We we were in complete control of the game. Like, yes, it didn't seem like those were the guys that were going to come on and extend the lead. But it didn't seem like you were going to fall back either. And it was like, okay, 2-0. That's a fine scoreline to have to take to Sevilla. Don't forget, people have... Like, we've been spending all season getting mad at Ten Hag for not, not just not rotating the squad... But not giving fringe players like Ilonga or Palestri time against Nottingham Forest in the League Cup or against Real Batiste in the second leg, uh, and and time like that. So finally, he gives them a run. Yeah, obviously the game changed. You weren't going to create chances because the quality was a big drop off. The fact that the result went to shit—that's uh, not. That, that's not.
0: Yeah, that uh, was a that was a case the, of like players like maybe not keeping their heads in situations that they had dealt with fine for the entire match up to that point because it wasn't like Sevilla didn't right. have any chances look, before that.
1: Here's the it, it was clear also like Ten Hag was looking at this as in we have complete control of this match. This is safe. We'll see out a 2-0 win because he brought on Iwanga and if you were managing for this match and to get a win and like shore it up you would have brought Fred on in place of, in place of Ericsson. This is the time where Fred comes on and he thrives in the last 25, 30 minutes of the game. And he's a bit more defensive than Ericsson. Now people will say, but you're looking for control and Ericsson brings more control than, than Fred. And that's a myth. Like the Casemiro and Ericsson midfield does not give United any control. Like even when they're playing, everybody goes, Oh, they don't have any control. And look at what happened. Like, but you get better defensively with Fred in there. So The fact was he was bringing on Ericsson to give Erickson minutes because he's coming back from an injury. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. We are in control of this match. It's 2-0. Sevilla aren't threatening at all. And ultimately, as much of the drop-off as there there was, Sevilla had one shot in the second half.
0: Yeah, they didn't even threaten on the goals. Up until the 89th minute. (laughs) They didn't even threaten on the goals they scored.
1: Up until the 89th minute when United were down to 10 men, they had one shot. So for as you get annoyed, the Perron was out and you get annoyed at these, at these subs defensively, United were fine. They were doing exactly what they were trying to do is we're going to see out of tuna when maybe we get lucky and we get a third. Yeah. Uh, the, like the issue going forward is we have to be able to create more chances Um because we do need to score. Again, like I said, defensively, I think we're going to be fine going forward. We got to be able to create more chances. And because no team is going to score 100% of their chances. So United in general are a bit wasteful. I don't think they got set. And like what I'm saying, they didn't play that well. This was a team pinned in their own zone the entire match. Like Martial only had 19 touches the ball. Sabitzer barely got involved. Uh, they only had... They only managed like a paltry number. Let me pull it up for as bad as Sevilla were United at 111 touches in the attacking third. That is, um, a as as bad as as bad as it comes. That's their second lowest in the Europa League this year. Their lowest was 92 in the away game against Real Sociedad when they played with vonda bacon ronaldo so basically not like nine players and um they're the only time they've had lower in the premier league has been against liverpool arsenal city newcastle like that's bad you need to do better than that and that's the worry going forward
0: yeah Uh, you know going forward not just against sevilla i think yeah, We've already talked about like, we think that that's manageable, but like Brighton is maybe going to be a tough nut to crack in a, you know, Wembley situation. We got to share up this, this top four spot. It's, um
1: but Brighton also, this is the first time playing at Wembley. Like you might right. have that as an advantage. You, you know, you never look, we, we got the better of Newcastle and then a, a month, less than a month later, Newcastle very much had the better of us. Um, you, you, you might be able to get them a little starry eyed, a little widespread. It's, it's, it's the attack. And it's, it's these little mistakes that get made, um, that are prevent like, like, like I was saying, all these things were preventable. Um, the yellow card, the build, the build up to the, yellow. here's, here's what's where it gets like where people get annoying. Anthony Martial was directly responsible for both goals. Neither goal happens without Anthony Martial. The first one is Martinez makes that pass where he catches it, holds it up, makes that little flick pass to Jaden Sancho, and then United are going. Without that, there's no goal, and everybody knows that. The second goal, Casemiro clears it, Martial takes it, he starts the break, he pulls it back, he makes that beautiful pass to Sabitzer. Casemiro's running, and he's pointing at Martial being like, he made that whole thing, and everybody will acknowledge that. Then when something bad happens, everybody just looks at what happened and goes, well, Malasia. Well, the ref gave a terrible yellow card. Well, Maguire scored a known goal. And yeah, the ref made a horrific decision in that, like one of the worst I've ever seen. But let's look at the buildup. Like it should never even happened. You had this situation where United were packed in. Like basically letting uh, Sevilla had two guys basically on the touchline, boots chalk on their boots, wingers and United, their fullbacks were narrow. Their wingers were narrow. They were basically like, you guys can have the ball out there and that's fine. But that means if they don't go wide, you need to get the ball. And Sevilla just passed right up the middle in, in between three United players, two of them converged on it to make a tackle. They didn't win the ball. Sevilla wins that second ball. And then there was another fight for the ball. Sevilla won it again. Like you had two opportunities to get the ball and they didn't do it. And then you get the shot that Bruno blocks. You come to the equalizer, the ball goes wide. And not one person gets close to the man who plays in the cross. Anthony Ilonga was the closest man there. And he picked up a different man. Like if you watch the replay, you'll just be like, what the hell is Ilonga doing? He goes and and picks up the man the overlapper as if like and, and like Christian Eriksson's kind of pointing at it, but Christian Eriksson's nowhere near the cross. And by the time Eriksson gets there, it's after the cross was already made. Like Eriksson never got there in time. And it's, and Molossi was coming over like, Ilong is in this bad spot. It's 2v1, like essentially 2v1, but he commits to the other guy. Like this is one of those situations where when you see the the man get to the byline and then the center back, like, Steps off his man to try to cut down the angle, and they pass to the and they pass to that guy, and he taps it in. And you're like, why did Lindelof do that? And it's like, well, if Lindelof stays on his man, then the guy who has the ball is just gonna come and do something and like shoot and score himself. Like, he went to the more immediate danger. If longer goes to the ball and he gives it to the overlap, or maybe he puts a cross in, an open cross in, and they score off that. But make the secondary guy do that. Like, go to the more immediate danger, and he just didn't. And he crosses into the back post where Casemiro's marking a guy, and Casemiro doesn't bother jumping. He gets him get an uncontested header. He goes for, like, the I'm going to kind of use my butt to undercut you move, which is a dicey and dangerous move because you never know what the ref will do about that. How do you not jump? And everybody then just it's like these little mistakes that keep adding up that are is how you prevent these bad the bad luck from happening. And the fact that they just they keep rearing their heads every two or three games, that's probably the biggest concern as we go to the run in.
0: Yeah. Um all right. I think that's gonna do it for us today. Um we were we were talking about maybe recording after the game yesterday that ended up not working out, but probably better that we had a night to sleep on this uh, as, as well. Um, So we'll be back sometime next week uh, after the Nottingham forest match. Uh, We didn't talk about that at all, but I don't really know what else needs to be said other than forest aren't very good. They're only decent at home. So maybe that's a worry, but this is still a team that they should beat. Um, don't have uh uh any confirmed news. I I guess the the report on Lysandro Martinez metatarsal is more positive than if it was an Achilles or if it is an Achilles. So I guess we're hoping for that one of the two. Yeah, outputs, I've also but...
1: I've also heard that like Shaw is like expected back at the very latest by next yeah. Sunday.
0: So I I think if Rashford is um, you know, kind of close. I, I think maybe Brighton or Tottenham would be the game that he comes back. I'm not sure he would be back for the second leg, but it doesn't seem like his injury is too serious, so that's positive at least. But
1: and also, um, look, it's it's mid April, you don't need style, it's we're past style points, right? Uh, in, in a previous it, three months ago, I would it's have said squeaky bum time, you got to go and beat Nottingham Forest 3 0 and show the world you're serious, You you got to beat them. One nil, five four, uh, 11 One at one or more, you, you just need one more goal than they score. Um, and that's all that matters. It, it's that part of the season.
0: Yeah. Squeaky bum time. So, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.